We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. The league presents Electric People. Welcome to Electric People. We have never had a guest like Mr. Jesse Itzler. Thanks for having us in your home today, man. Thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, we're super stoked. Yeah. We're gonna go deep. You good with that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, for you guys that don't know, uh, Jesse, you're, Jesse's a, you're, I don't even know how to describe you, man. You've done a little bit of everything. So, uh, former MTV rapper, label mates with Tone Loke, Young MC, um, launched a private jet company, Marquee Jet, with zero previous aviation experience, which later sold to Warren Buffett. Um, had a Navy SEAL move in with him to make him tougher, rents mountains for physical challenges, wrote theme songs for sports franchises, and is now an owner of the Atlanta Hawks, helped launch Zico Vitamin Water, or uh, Coconut Water, sold it to Coca-Cola, endurance athlete, a 100-mile race finisher, um, summited one of the deadliest mountains in the U.S. in the winter, New York Times bestselling author. It's quite the resume. Still going? To be continued. Uh, yeah, we'll keep going, man. <laughs> we got time. I feel like we you're only time. like a third of the way through the book, too. <laughs> no, man. Uh, it's been interesting learning about your story. I feel like you're just an adventure, you know, and I think uh, a lot of your content has been very helpful to our sales force. So on this podcast, it's called Electric People. So we talk to people that are sending a pulse through kind of the world. And you've definitely done that. So uh, we first met, uh, what, like a week ago? Yeah. Yeah, you came out and spoke to our sales team. What did you think of our, our sales force? I mean, unbelievable energy, great team, great company. Uh, wasn't what I was expecting at all. What were you expecting? Oh, you know, you like, said that a couple of times. Yeah, You're just like, like, I mean, it was super young. A uh, lot of, you just see like a lot of drive and uh, people eager to just really type A people. So You was, could feel that from the front yes. of the room? No, really? I felt it the whole time. Yeah. So it was great. It was mm. good. It reminded me of a little bit of some of the companies I've had in the past. Right. It's yeah. cool to feel the energy. Like there's definite energy when, when you speak. Like we were grateful because I could tell that you'd honed that craft. Like you've done a lot of things, but I'd never experienced you as a speaker, but you brought that energy with you. And I think it resonated really well with our with What our happens guys. when you get, when you get a low SAT score, yeah. you have to overcompensate in <laughs> energy. We need to talk about that because we share that. I'm sub 1000 myself. So okay, cool. SAT, <laughs> we could if we sat next to each other, it wouldn't have been, yeah, I we couldn't have cheated off you. It helped out. <laughs> um, so I feel like you've had like 10 lives. So maybe start with this life resume concept because any one of those achievements that we talked about early on that could have been like life-defining stuff i mean to be label mates with people that i mean they're they're pictured on your wall right here i mean it's even that alone is something that people could hang their hat on forever but maybe talk about the life resume just to dive right in and what that is yeah i mean i think a lot of a mistake and it's not a conscious mistake that i think a lot of people make is you know they get a victory or something amazing happens in their life and they talk about it for five years and they celebrate it and they live off of that energy. And I've always been like, when it's done, it's done. I don't wear a marquee jet hat anymore. Yeah. I don't wear a Zico hat anymore. Like that's, that's in the rear view. And I've always just been like a what's next, okay? I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love newness. I love challenges. So I've always been, you know, what's the next thing? What can I do? And the life resume concept is just, it's just, you know, when I go at the end of my run, I want to be like, do as much as I can and experience as much as I can. I was just in a financial planning meeting 
And the guy said to me, if you had a choice between leaving your kids with either a lot of money or a lot of life experiences, what would you choose? And it's an obvious answer. You want life experiences. So um, I just want to look back and have no regrets that I wasted time or I didn't do something because I was scared. And, you know, I just like to stack, keep stacking things on top of wins or losses, whatever it is, just keep going and seeing, you know, as the more that you experience, the more you have to offer. The more you know about yourself, the more empathy you have, the more compassion you have, the more you can share with other people. And that's always been something that like makes me feel good. And the one thing everybody, we all humans have in common is we all wanna feel good, mm -hmm. like period. Mm. Money to make us feel good, health to make us feel good, relationships to make us feel good. That's the one common denominator and that shit makes me feel good. Yeah. So do you think you've always had that level of consciousness? Because I don't, I don't know you that well, but you seem to know yourself very well. So is that something when, did you always go into life saying, hey, I want to rack up as many experiences as possible? Or is that something you've developed over the years? I mean, years? it's super addicting. Yeah. Once you do something that you're scared of and you kind of go to the other side of that fear, um, it becomes crazy addicting. So I think once I've exper I experienced that and realized like, wow, you can be rewarded for trying something that you didn't think you can necessarily do or you can surprise yourself, it becomes addicting and you want to see like, well, what else can I do? Um, so that that's always, yeah. So I think I've, I've had that. Listen, nothing in my life has really changed. It's just gotten bigger. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same, same style since I was 15, 16. It's just my life's gotten bigger. Mm -hmm. More brown rice on the plate. There you go. Do you feel like the pressure, so when you were first getting started and you didn't have you know, the financial wealth that you have today. Do you feel like the pressure on the big decisions that you're making today are just different than they were when you were first getting started? Because we just had Deion Sanders come and speak to our East Coast leadership, and we were talking about the pressure that he was dealing with playing football. And he's like, that's not pressure. He goes, the pressure is a single mom trying to pay rent at the end of the month when she knows she doesn't have enough money. Like, that's pressure, right? So how do you compare the pressure of when you were first getting started to the stuff that you're working through and working on today? When I was first getting started, I, the pressure to me was more, it was, I converted to enthusiasm. So I didn't really look at it as pressure. I looked mm. at it as like, I had a real passion for the process. And people misunderstand passion. Like they think passion has to be around the widget that you're selling or the product that you're selling. The passion's around the process. It's around going with your team and trying to make a sale and getting rejected and laughing about it and figuring it out. And that's, the, that's what the process is, what is the whole, it's the journey. And so the pressure that I had, it was, I always felt like it was, although, first of all, it just made me, it was like, a, pressure to me is like, a, it's, like a, it's like an indicator that something's important to me mm. or something big's about to happen. It's like, it's almost like, you know, like one of these GPS things that tells me like, you better pay attention to this, man. This one's important. So um, it's always been something that, that that's, I've turned it into like, just I'm excited, try to turn it into excitement. Yeah. What about your aptitude for risk? Has that changed from when you were first getting started to today? Because you said you're an adrenaline junkie. I'm assuming that part of the business ventures that you go after, there's a little bit of that, uh, that adrenaline you get from going after a big risky yeah. deal or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've never had a resume. Any, I'm, an, I'm a true entrepreneur. I've never worked for anyone really. And uh, um, 
part of being an entrepreneur is having a high tolerance for risk, but calculated risk. I don't take, I'm not gonna jump off without checking my parachute. You know, I, I take calculated right. risks, but I like stepping into the unknown. And that's where I feel like real growth comes from when you step into, like you have no idea what's behind the curtain. Mm. And uh, I like that feeling. I like getting my foot in the door and just figuring it out as I go. And for me, it's really helped me because it's guaranteed that I would do things differently than everybody else. And I've never had anyone really teach me business or how to be an entrepreneur. You don't learn that. Right. And uh, I had to figure it out. And I've always, I've liked it. I've liked it. I made a ton of mistakes. Try not to make those mistakes again. But I've, I've learned a lot. I like that focus on the passion for the process because that allows you to take maybe a failure and be like, and actually interpret that as a lesson. I was listening, you were on Ed Milet's show, was that a couple months ago, right? Yeah. Um, and he did, he just did a piece talking about uh, some people have the good fortune of having their passion be their profession, but most people have to apply passion to their profession or use their profession to fuel their passion. Even as you were talking, so we run teams of door-to-door -door salespeople. So rejection and failure and trying and all that kind of stuff is, is a really real part of their life. But applying passion to the process, even as you said, no, getting smoked in a sale and then laughing about it. Um, do you have specific instances where you've done that? I know we talked at the conference about the egg on the face thing, but have you, have you had like negatives that you've been able to come out of it? laughing or with passion for the process? My God, I've had so many of them. I mean, I've had so much. I remember when my record came out, I was in the, uh, the Pittsburgh airport, about to do a show at, I think the University of Pittsburgh actually. And I'm walking through the airport and I'm walking through the airport, I see one of those magazine racks and all over the magazine rack on the cover of this magazine called Rap Pages, which had crazy distribution at this airport for whatever reason, I'm on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm on the cover of a magazine? 21 years old, this is impossible. How deep into your career are you here? This I'm been... like, my, my song was on MTV. I was out, but I wasn't, it was, I was a couple of months in. I was out there, but couple I wasn't, months. but like, you know, yeah. nothing, wasn't Michael Jackson. Yeah. You know, I was just like, <laughs> I have a video on MTV. So I look, I'm like, unbelievable. I'm like, holy shit. I go to get the thing and the cover of the magazine says, are white rappers ruining hip hop? And I was the guy on the cover. Oh, and I was like, oh my God. And I opened it up and I read the article and it was just like, I mean, I was so embarrassed. I thought the whole, I thought all 7 billion people in the world read this magazine. Right. Yeah. And every time I would go to dinner with my hat down and, you know, uh, and it was, it was crazy. Five years later, we were doing $150 million in sales at Marquee Jet. You just don't know, yeah. you, you know, what's going to happen. And when you're in a low, it's like, you know, I know you guys are athletes, you know, when you're in a race, you're in a low, you think you're never gonna get out of that mm. low. Like you're stuck there forever, but mm. it doesn't work like that. You know, you, you do get out of that position and you never know when good fortune is gonna find you. So I've always just kind of chipped away, you know, and, and kept going towards whatever, and it's usually worked out for me. I've had so much embarrassment. And, you know, I just marry that with opportunity. You know, it's like someone said to me, like, how do you get excited? And I'm like, how do you not? Yeah. I'm 50, I'm on earth for 30, knock on wood, man, maybe 30 something years. Like, how could I not be excited? Like I have this much time left and it, it's ticking and it never stops ticking. Like, how could I not be excited every day for the opportunity? Yeah. And um, yeah. Talk about your relationship with time. You, you, I've heard people speak about time the way that you do, but I've never 
I've never heard somebody take their, their kind of relationship with mortality and turn that into a sense of adventure like you do. I don't know. I mean, I think people think of relationships in terms of, of people, you know, like how's your relationship with your dad or your kids or just, but they don't very rarely think of relationships in terms of time. And we all know time goes fast. I mean, you hear that all the time, but like we really don't pay attention to it. We know it, but we don't. And I've really obsessed on, on I've kind of flipped time into, into looking at it in moments rather than like years or minutes. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of just reverse engineered my life. And I've used this example before, but like, you know, if, if my parents are 88, which they are, and they live to be 92, I hope they live longer. You know, that's four years. But if I only see them twice a year, I don't have four years with them. I have eight visits with them, you know? So that means each one of my visits becomes way more valuable. Mm. And, you know, I'm way more present and that they become way more important. Eight visits is nothing. And when you start to look at life like that, you're like, man, I want to go see my mom. Mm -hmm. I want to go see my dad. I want to make that eight, 16 or 20. It's nothing. Eight visits. And that's how I look at everything. You know, I, I remember when I was training for my 100 mile run, I hired a friend of mine to come out and live with me. My friend Orlando, I was like, I'm running this race. Your only job, and I will pay you, is whenever I want to run, any time of the day, you sleep in my house, get on a bike and keep me company. That was his, so he, by the way, he lost 36 pounds. <laughs> I lost four. Okay? <laughs> so I remember one night, one o'clock in the morning, I got up. I'm like, Orlando, get on the bike, man. We're going. We're going to go for four, four or five miles. And we're out there. There's no, there's, I'm th and I said to him, there's seven billion people on the planet. Look around. There's nobody out here. We're the only two people out here. And I said to him, I said, Orlando, man, remember this moment. Not remember this moment because we will never have this opportunity again mm -hmm. to, to, to do what we're doing. You're going to get married. I'm going to get married. Like, we're both single. We're out here. We're taking 90 days to train. It's never going to happen again. So when we're out here, even though we're tired and it's late, you better appreciate it because in 10 years, you can be like, man, I wish I could go back to one o'clock in the morning in the mountains. Mm. And you can't go back. You don't get it back. So I'm super aware of time. I don't waste it. I value it. I appreciate it. I appreciate who I spend it with and what I do with it. And, you know, that might sound hokey or corny or like we're doing a podcast and that's a sound. No, that's honest to God. Like, you know, my days are planned out and I do more of the things I love to do with the people I love to do them with. And that's how I operate. You guys are a little younger than me. How old are you guys? 40. 37. Yeah. So you'll see it's, it's different at 40 and 30 and 7. 40 and 37. When you're 50 and you're like, holy man, 80 is around the corner. 80. 80 is around the corner. You look at life different. Mm -hmm. And you start to think about the meetings that you take. And hey, can I get 15 minutes of your time? I'm not going to ask you for money. I just want your advice. No. 15 minutes of my time. That, that's, you know, like, first of all, it's never 15 minutes. And then you start to stack those up. I think in cumulative. That's how my brain works. It works cumulative. You take 15 minutes every, every week for two meetings. That's 30 minutes a week times that's 26 hours. That's, that's a whole day you just gave away. You know, it's like it doesn't work. Everything is cumulative. You want to have an ice cream cone a day because it's no big deal. It's only an ice cream cone. Okay, in 10 years, that's 3,000 ice cream cones. That is a big deal. It's all cumulative, man. Mm -hmm. This stuff adds up. And I'm super aware of that. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. I don't believe in moderation as an excuse. People use moderation like, and they use it as an excuse. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, like, um, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to, today's my cheat day. 
you know, Mondays and, and Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays are my cheat day. So I'm going to have ice cream. I'm going to have pizza. Okay, I'm not against pizza. I eat pizza. But guess what? You only get 21 meals a week. Three meals a day, seven, 21 meals. So if you want to take three days of them to have pizza and two of them for pancakes and one of them for tacos, well, that's 25% of your stomach share. It's all part of this puzzle. And that's the way how I, I, I approach things. I look at it not as like one-offs. I look at it as like, and that's part of like a disciplined lifestyle. And I try to live a disciplined lifestyle. Yeah, I've, I've heard it said that in order to have fun, you have to have- Does that make sense? Yeah. It totally does. And I like the cumulative thing because a lot of people think, yeah, it's just one, it's no big deal. Let me give you a positive example. Yeah. And I think you, you guys have a sales-driven organization. I know there's a lot of sales reps and people are like, you know, well, I've built my entire career on sales. Like on relationships, I'm sorry, on relationships. Like yeah, we're 900, we're sub 1,000 people. We can't outsmart anybody. We have to have people that root for us, that want to give us referrals, that, you know, that are sources of inspiration and, and are part of our team and have long, deep relationships that we can call on at any time. And they'll help us and we'll help them. Like that's how my, my life has been built in everything. And it starts with, and, and talking about the power of being of thinking in a cumulative way. The other day, I was flying into Charlotte and I texted, not to name drop, I texted Coach K. He's a friend of mine, I haven't spoken to him in a while. And I just said to him, I said, Coach K, I said, Coach, he runs a basketball camp for guys, this is gonna freak you guys out. He runs a basketball camp for guys 35 and old, older. I've been going for the last 15 years. I just said, I wanna, I just landed in North Carolina, I wanna thank you, you know, for the, for the, for the camp that you do because as I get older, it's a way for me to stay younger. And I made amazing relationships. I said, no need to write me back, but thank you so much for putting this on because it's not about the basketball. It's just about how you're making us, you know, all, these, uh, all of us feel. And I said, no need to respond. And I sent it. Now, he's going to go back. There's 500 people that, go to this, that have been to this camp. How many people emailed Coach K and said, out of nowhere, because they meant it. Thank you so much for this amazing experience. That could be something, a text that he shares with his wife. I got this really cool e text out of the blue. I didn't send it, send it a day after the camp when maybe everybody else does. I sent it months in advance. Here's my point. Send three of those a day. It takes five minutes. Over the course of a year, you're gonna send a thousand texts to people. That's how you build relationships, man. You send a thousand of those when, did you, did you, did you? No, nobody did it. Nobody does it. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. It takes five minutes. But over time, you're gonna send a thousand of them. And that means when I need a Coach K or whoever it is, and I call up, I'm not calling up like, oh, you haven't called me in six months. Now you need tickets to the Carolina game? No, it doesn't work like that. True relationships, authentic relationships. You always congratulate, you compliment, and you console when you have the opportunity. And that's how it works. And you do it, you know, because not because you need a reason, you do it because you care. When you do that, you have people that will help you and you build a true foundation of networking, not business card to business, mm -hmm. a true, deep, lasting foundation of relationships. That's been the foundation for everything that I did. And when I started out, I had no money, zero. And when I started out, I wrote 10 letters a day for one year. I sent. Um, 3,000 letters, handwritten, in one year. You know, it was like 20 cents a stamp or whatever. It cost me like under a thousand bucks or whatever. 
And I still get comments to this day, like, man, you used to write all those handwritten letters and I still write them. I still write them at the end of the year. And you know, that, those are the things as a sales rep that they don't teach you, mm -hmm. nobody's doing them. Mm -hmm. But those are the things that, that, that and it, 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 it might not rear its face and you might not get the benefit of it tomorrow. You might get it five years ago. But now I have permission. If I sent you a text, even if I didn't know you, or I wrote you a letter and I didn't know you, you're, you're Bezos. I wrote you a letter and now I see Bezos at a restaurant. I have permission to go over to you. Jeff, I just want to let, sorry to bother you. I, just, I sent you a letter because I'm just, you really touched me in an article that you wrote and you inspired me. I don't know if you got it, but I sent you a letter, blah, blah, blah. You have permission to do that. Yeah. And you know, it's, a, it's, it's an icebreaker, it's an authentic, and that's what I'm saying. That's how it works. Mm. That's how it works. I think that's interesting too, because we, there's thousands of salespeople that, that work in this industry and that work at our company. There's 5,000 people that work here. And I, I keep those. So I get them every now and then. You probably get them too. Mm -hmm. Screenshot them, I have a folder for them. And every now and then when I need it uh, to be reminded of like my purpose or whatever, I'll just get, and you're right, there's only a handful, right? But they make you feel amazing, you know? It's so easy. And it's like, you know, I invest. It's, 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 these aren't things where people spend a lot of time in the wrong areas and they don't get results. And you know, I've, I've always invested my time in people. That's been my biggest investment. You know, you can flip through my phone, man, of all my contacts and call any of them and ask them how they feel about me, any of them. And because I've invested the time, I've built up that network. I have a group of people that I root for and they root for me. And that's like invaluable. And, and, and the ROI on that isn't the money, by the way, it's, it's the bonds and, you know, and the experiences. I want to go back to, you mentioned earlier, you've had a lot of failures, you said as well. Um, our sales guys go out every day and they're knocking on doors and they typically fail more than they succeed. So, um, and there's times when they'll go a full day or two or three days where they don't get a sale. Uh, when you had some of your failures, how mentally did you just keep working through it? And was it just this big vision that you had in your head that keep you know, driving you or just what was it that helped you work it's through like the, the any, low times? Yeah, man. It's like any goal. When I have a goal, I go, to the end, I go right to the end of the movie. So I go right to the end of the movie and the end of the movie never changes. I don't negotiate it. The script changes. The plot changes. How I get to the end of the movie changes. But the goal is unwavering. And so I know if I get all these rejections, it's part of the script. I'm gonna have to rewrite the script, mm. but I'm still ultimately gonna get those sales. They're gonna come, they're gonna happen. And that's, the, that's sort of my, my mentality around it. But um, I mean, when I put out Living with the Seal, when I, I shot the manuscript for Living with the Seal to 11 publishers that all said no. Mm. There were none left. There's not even, like I didn't even know who else to call. Is that when the book's fully written? Yeah, like or you, you have like the whole idea and maybe like a teaser or something. I had a uh, like a book proposal. Mm -hmm. I had maybe eighty pages written, but I had a proposal. Yeah, I took it around all the big publishers. None of them took it, and then uh, I went to a small a small publishing publisher that's a division of Hachette called Center Street. Found someone there that believed in me, believed in the book, and it became a number one bestseller, number one iTunes, number one Amazon, number one. LA Times, I mean, it was a massive hit. 11 people turned it down. Every record company turned me down until Delicious Vinyl took a, took a shot on me. Um, 
I mean, it's just over and over and over. It's been rejection, rejection, rejection until I never just knocked on a door and been like, yeah, well, you know, yeah. it doesn't work. I mean, it happens, but it's yeah. infrequent. And, um, but I've always, the goals never change. I'm going to get the book out. It's going to do well. I believe that. And if it takes me a little bit longer, see, I think one of the things that people forget in the journey, in the, in the world of Instagram and the lottery and instant everything and all these people posting pictures with Rolls Royces and all this stuff, you know, like people think it, there's a huge element of sales and business that, uh, that revolves around patience. Patience. It takes years to build, a to build a brand. It takes years to get a customer base. It gets years to perfect your pitch and your craft and figure out what works and what doesn't work. It takes time. There are get rich quick you know, things out there, but that's not really the norm. And most people fail because they don't have the patience. You know, part of endurance running is just being, it's not, it's just being about patient, be slow and chipping away and keep going until you get to your goal. And, you know, it's not about who runs the fastest. It's just getting there. And it's the same thing in business. And I think a lot of people quit because they don't have the patience. So it's this, it's this compound effect that feels like this really helped your life explode. It's like the combination uh, or the culmination of a lot of just little things that you've done to build those relationships, right? It's been, you have to do a lot of things well. I've always been like, try everything, try a lot of strategies uh, and stick with whatever works you, you implement and whatever doesn't, you give it when you keep trying and mm. um, yeah. Until How you long do you system. stick with something before you say, this isn't working, I'm gonna ditch it and move on? To me, it's just whatever feels right. It's like if I'm doing something and I'm not getting the results, and again, ROI doesn't necessarily have to show up right away. It feels right to me. Like when I was writing those letters or sending texts, it felt good. Even if I don't get a response or nothing happened, it felt good to send that. Yeah. I knew I was filling up someone else's bucket. It made me feel good. It only took a couple of minutes. So, you know, I stay with it as long as it feels good. You know, I have this friend who calls me every year. He used to work for me and uh, he calls me every year on my birthday and he sings to me and he just does like the first little part and uh, his name's Todd Shinicky. Shout out to Todd. But he does this for everybody. It just takes him a second, but he recently just got a lung transplant and was really down and on a breathalyzer and, or, uh, you know, oxygen and couldn't really breathe. And April 1st, that's my birthday. If I'm in a meeting and I see his, I'll step out. I will take that call every single year and I say, hold on, shut up. And he sings, and this year he sang to me after lung transplant. And that relationship is, like, I love that guy. I love it. You know what I mean? I, was gonna, so cool. I thought you were gonna say that everybody's been calling him now on their birthday because he can't sing. <laughs> that would be cool. epic. No, he likes it, but I knew what it took. And the fact yeah. that he thought of me, it's like, yeah, like we have like a close relationship. I did that at my 50th birthday party. I was like, my, I knew that people would wanna come up and toast me, or, but I already know how everybody at my 50th feels about me. So one by one, I called people up and I just told them how I felt about them. Mm. And it told stories about how I knew. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. That's man. awesome. It was really cool. Um, so you, you mentioned when you spoke to our group, two themes for your life. One of them was no previous experience. So for our listeners that might not know or have listened to all the podcasts and things like that, maybe, maybe talk about that because I think there's a fine line between jumping into something unprepared with no experience and the way that, that you've done it. So maybe talk about that theme and, and why you think it's worked. Well, for me, all the businesses that I've gone into, 
I didn't have any experience in them. I, I went into the beverage business with Zico, coconut water, I had no idea anything about that. Aviation, no experience. Music, no experience, no connections. And for me, as I mentioned, it's always been a, a big blessing because it allowed me to do things differently and it forced me to be creative and it forced me to kind of rip up the playbook that all my competitors were using and I could kind of stand out. So that, that, was, that was been, been a really big thing. And also, like, it, like, there were no rules or restrictions, you know? Like, I came into these, into these businesses and um, I got to think freely and independently. I wasn't mm -hmm. influenced by, oh, you have to do something this way. And that or was- Or it's a, always been done this way. Yeah, it's or, always yeah. been done this way. Or you can't, that's not a red package. All the packaging here is red. I don't want red packaging. It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me. I, yeah. I want white packaging. So it allowed me to do that and, and, and it was helpful. And it was also like, um, you know, there, was, there were frustrations with that too. There was a big learning curve. When I started Marquee Jet with my partner, we didn't know anything about airplanes. I had to learn all the sizes, configurations, pricing, speed, you know, and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know, not a great student. So, uh, but that, that, it was, I love learning. You know, as an adult, usually like we go into one space, we become an expert in that field. We spend years becoming an expert in, in what we're doing, which is great, but it bottlenecks us and it stops us from learning in different, in other areas. Going back to your life resume thing, you guys talked about at the, at the top, you know, like I still wanna become an expert in whatever it is I'm doing. If I wanna be a speaker, I wanna be one of the best speakers I could possibly be. I wanna study the field, I wanna become an expert, what works, what doesn't work. But I'm 50, there's other things I wanna learn and do too. So again, going back to tying in some of the themes we talked about, around time or whatever, I'm very aware of that. And I make sure that I learn a couple of new things every year. For, for my 50th birthday, I made a list of 50 things that I always wanted to learn, but I didn't know how to do. Everything from DJing to wake surfing to ballroom dancing to how to be a mechanic. And I brought in 50 different coaches, one a week, to come in and teach me these skills. So I've had a ping pong coach, I had a free dive instructor. <laughs> I learned how to ride a motorcycle. I'm, taking, I'm getting, I'm getting a certified in scuba with my 10-year-old son. So that, that kind of stuff. And that, that desire, like a kid, to learn, that thirst to want to like learn goes away when you're, very often when you're an adult because you're, you're like bottlenecked into your business. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about being, bouncing around, at least I've been fortunate, is I got to learn about aviation. I got to learn about the beverage world. I got to learn about music and it's helped me at this point in my life help other people and talk about all these different things because I've experienced it. You know, I've experienced it. So it's pretty cool. Do you think it gives you, I don't know, I have a theory that having an exciting life gives you more zeal or zest in your job. You know, like it's, yes. when, you're, when, you're, when you're at work and you're working on a business and then you're like, I've got a race coming up in three weeks or I've got a scuba lesson tonight. Yeah, because if you don't, you walk around with resentment. Like if I couldn't do the things I love to do, I would walk into my office and I'd hate everybody. I'd be like, I resent you, I resent my boss, I resent everybody because all I wanted to do was learn how to water ski. I want to go surfing today. And now I got to sit in five hour meetings and then I got to go to the opera with my, I'm, I'm mad at everybody. Mm -hmm. But if I could just get my damn hour in the water, I'm good. Yeah. It makes you such, so I, I really, really, really think taking time for yourself is critical daily. 
to do the things you want to do. It makes you a better parent, makes you more present, you know, makes you better sales rep, makes you more interesting. So talk about that because you have a rule for your day, right? I take three hours a day for myself. So what does that, what does that mean? I always did, by the way. Even when I was 21 I, and I had nothing, I, I didn't realize it, but I was doing that. I was running an hour. I was playing basketball at night for an hour. I was running in the morning. I was working my ass off in between all that. I was maybe, you know, just going in a sauna. I was always taking some time for myself every day. So same thing for me now. And it's coming back cumulative. It might be 20 minutes here just doing nothing. It might be 30 minutes in a sauna and a cold plunge or working out. It might be reading the newspaper. But when I'm in my time, I am not guilty. I'm not feeling any guilt that I'm not with my wife. And when I'm with my wife, I'm mega present because I've already done three hours of what I love to do. Yeah. How great, what a great husband I am. You can, you, I'll talk about whatever you want. You want to go to the opera? I'll go to the opera. I don't even like the opera. <laughs> but I already <laughs> but did everything I wanted to do. Yeah. So I'm like, let's go to the opera. I love the opera. Well, how, do you, how do you, sorry to interrupt you. How do you balance, I think a lot of the challenge that so, so a lot of our top guys have, and even some of our guys that are just getting started, is they work on conventional hours where they have to be out where people when people are home, right? So they're out working until 8 p.m., 9 p.m. at night. And one of the most common things that our guys will have is just trying to figure out how to balance family, work, and they're, we're straight commissioned. So they're, you know, there's just grinding every day, Saturdays. So how do you, and, and what you do is basically straight commission too, right? I mean, you don't have a boss that you report to. I mean, you're just running your entrepreneurial stuff. So how do you balance the family work relationship? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in a different scenario. So I grinded my ass off until I was, I mean, I still do. Yeah. But up until 40, <laughs> I mean, grinded, grinded, yeah. grinded. And I was single. I didn't have a family. I didn't have responsibilities. So I could afford to create my own schedule. As you evolve, your life model and your life system evolves. So like my life looks very different at my age now with four kids and a wife than it did just 10 years ago. It's completely different. My time is different, how I manage my time, what I say yes to and what I say no to. So everybody has their own life model and their own system. And the, the challenge is people get frustrated because they're like, oh, I can't do all that. But no, because you haven't changed your system. So you know, if, you have, if you're working crazy hours, you still have to work in and adjust and make changes around that, you, you know what I mean? You have to change with, with it. But uh, it's a tough challenge that everybody you know, struggles with. And it, there's not an easy fix, and each individual has their own set of complexities. So anyone who thinks they can just give like, you know, stock answer, stock answer, you can't. But, but the one thing I would, the one asterisk I would put to that is, you still have to take time for yourself. You still have to take care of yourself and put yourself first. And, and, and your wife, if you have a wife and your kid, you still, you can't, um, it's not about, you can't take the approach, look what I did for my family. You have to take the approach, look what I did with my family too. A lot of people are like, man, look what I did for my family. What'd you do with your family? Hmm. That's really good. We interviewed, do you know Jocko Willink? He's man, Navy SEAL commander, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we interviewed him and asked him the question about work-life balance. And he said, uh, there's not work and life. It's just life, yeah. right? And you just, you just work it in there. You just kind of make it happen. Um, I kind of want to talk, if it's all right, about Jesse Itzler, the dad. So I follow your Instagram, and uh, I've, I've had this thought. Um, you have a son named Charlie, is that right? I do. You have a Charlie. 
And uh, it seems like in your Instagram, you're always saying stuff, Charlie, don't overcomplicate it, Charlie. Uh, you know, keep it simple, Charlie. Do you, do you, do you try to infuse this stuff in your kids? Are you, are you, are your kids cold plunging? Are they running? Is, is it crazy around here or is that something <laughs> You're that... about to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 look, monkey see, monkey do. You know, your kids are watching and they want to do what you're doing. And my kids see me, you know, doing my, in the cold plunge, they're going to want to do it too. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I encourage them to, uh, one of the biggest things as a parent, you guys have kids? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is I just got five kids. Well, I got it. I'm going to have an, uh, my fifth in like six weeks. Wow. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I've found and like, I'm a work in progress. I'm sure you guys are work, work in progress too, is being a parent. Of course. Um, but really trying to get comfortable with allowing your kids to experience disappointment. And when I was a kid, if, if, someone threw a, if, if someone threw a baseball and I'm having a baseball catch with my dad, my dad's sitting over here and someone throws the ball and, and my mitt's down here and the ball's going to hit me in the face and my dad sees it coming, my dad let, me hit, let it hit me in the face. When I see the ball coming at my son's face and my son's mitt is down, I want to catch it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I want to like, I want to be, but it's, you know, you have to let your kids fail and experience disappointment and that we live in a world of, participation trophies, which I'm not against that, but, but we live in this world where you're very protected and this and that. And, you know, so we praise the effort. That's the biggest thing that we do in our house is just not praising the result. It's just praising the effort. So it's not about, oh, you did amazing in the basketball game. It's like, you tried so hard. You worked so hard this week and it showed. I really like the effort you put in. So we're mm -hmm. always constantly praising the effort. Well, that's that passion in the process thing again, right? If they can learn that. Um, how do you, a lot of our guys think they're, well, they are, they're, they're very busy, right? Adam mentioned unconventional hours. We all have multiple kids and things like that. Um, your wife's schedule and your schedule have to be absolutely crazy. So does she, do you kind of do the same thing? Does she do three hours for herself? Do you guys have a schedule for the family? How do you, how do you make that whole thing work? Well, there's certain non-negotiables between my wife and I. So we have we have um, date night every Wednesday, every quarter, every, every three months we take a trip. It could be a day trip. It could be a trip to New York City. Is that just the two of you? Or? Yeah. yeah. So we have four trips a year. Just the two of you, no kids. Yeah. Four trips a year. We schedule them. I schedule them before the year. It's part of my life optimization. Mm -hmm. um, so we have our alone time. And then we, every Wednesday we have date night. And then we go on a family trip. We go skiing. We ski together. So we, we do, we make sure that even though we're busy and there's plenty of time in between that we spend together, we go for, we do a lot together. But those Wednesdays, if I'm in town or she's in town, boom, trips, boom, family dinners, boom. Those are kind of like just for starters, those are something, some things that we do. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, you've, I've heard you say about your wife that she's one part Lucille Ball and one part Albert Einstein. Right? What do you mean by that? I'd say more 80% Lucille Ball and 20% Einstein. <laughs> no, she's got like a tremendous amount of genius in her that I've, on a level I've never seen as, far, as it relates to business. She started a business with, if you gave, there's 7 billion people in the world, if you give all 7, 7 billion $5,000 and say, go start a brand, no investors, no advertising, no partners, and let's come back in 10 years and see what you've built, there's probably a dozen that I think could do what Sarah's done. You know, honestly. Wow. I saw on Richard Branson's Instagram today, just randomly when we landed here in Atlanta, 
there was a video. I don't know if you've seen it, but I seen it. she's sitting on top of a virgin hot air balloon having tea, like on top oh, of like the I've balloon seen. thing. Well, she's with Branson now. She just texted me and said that she swam a three mile open water swim. I mean, deep water, open water swim. Not like we're gonna swim on the shore from Necker Island to Mosquito Island, which is like, um, I've paddled it. I would never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever swim it. Really? This is a text you got ever. today. I got it today. You realize this is crazy, right? Like, I know, I'm like, what? I'm like, you're a mother of four. What the fuck what are you doing? <laughs> Get home, sweetie, get home. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it was no problem. And now, so yeah, she's with, she's actually with Richard now. So does she share the same zeal for life that, that you do? I mean, it seems like this place would just be like, hey, I have this adventure today. Hey, I have this. But I, it's interesting to see how calculated you are. We're sitting in your office in your week. I can tell what you're doing this week by what's on, what's on your board. You know what I mean? So it, it seems that a running theme is you have to be somewhat disciplined in order to participate in the adventure. I don't see how anyone at our age can just get up and wing it. Right. How you could just wake up and be like, I'm going to wing it today. What, 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 is, what happens at 10 o'clock? Like the best CEOs in the world have three assistants and they show up and they give them a piece of paper and nine o'clock you're here, 10, 15, 11 o'clock, 12, 30, you're here. We don't have three assistants. So like my day starts the night before. My week's already laid out. I already know. I don't have to think. I can look on my wall right now. I saw 8.30, 9.30 tomorrow, boom, call, podcast, conference call. It's all laid out. So that gives How you the flexibility yeah, to now do what you want. And I've set every day up is basically the same. So like my workout time is the same. The time that I take my calls is the same. So there's no, it's mega efficient, mega. What time do you wake up every day? Look at the board. Now I get up at six, I get up at six. Six, in your sleep by? 11. 11. Are you pretty routine in that way? Unless it's like a, a game or something and I get home late. Yeah, I mean, I don't drink, you know, hardly. And um, yeah, pretty disciplined like that. I don't go out really. I got stuff I want to do, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Um, I did that. I did had, that. You had that I did time. that. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a second about health. I know you're really passionate about health. Let's say one thing. Health. I remember when I was 17 years old, 16, <laughs> I was at sleepaway camp. I was at a basketball camp. And uh, they had like this, this, um, and I was, I was into, pretty into basketball or whatever. They had like one of these socials, guys, girls get together, you know, at the canteen or whatever. And my, my basketball coach is like, come on, man, we're going to go out 8 o'clock, get some shots up. I'm like, I'm not going out there, man. It's the, tonight's the social. What are you talking about? And he looked at me dead in the eyes like, that's not going to get you where you want to go. And I, I, that line's always stuck with me. That's mm. not going to get you where you want to go. Mm. You know? It's yeah, not going to get exactly. you where you want to go. I have a race coming up. You want to, you want, I don't want to run. That's not going to get you where you want to go, man. You better get out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so let's talk about health. I know you're really passionate about health. Uh, I know that you're very intentional about what you eat, and I know your projects now yep. are semi around health and what we put in. So um, I accepted your challenge. I've been only fruit till noon for eight days. You're 27 years, 28 years. 28 now, years? Yeah, pretty much almost, yeah. Really? Started. So I'm actually interested in talking yeah. about it. So I just tried it. I haven't read Fit for Life, but I have this rule that if someone recommends a book, I'll put it on my list. If it gets recommended twice, then I move it to the top of the list. And so now that one's on top of my list. But I'm surprised in the energy that I feel. Because I always thought, like, I'll surf in the mornings. I thought I have to eat or else I won't have the energy. But maybe talk about some of, the, some of your ideas on health and some of the things that you do that other people can implement. Well, specific to what you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
you use more energy for, for digestion in your lifetime than everything you'll do combined. So think about like, you know, you have a big meal, you get tired. You want to lie down on Thanksgiving. You don't want to go run after your big meal. You want to go like watch TV because digestion requires a tremendous amount of energy. So if you could streamline your digestion and use less energy, you'd free up all that energy for everything else, fighting disease, being more vibrant, et cetera. And um, so fruit digests in like 20 minutes. It, by, it bypasses, just goes right to your small intestines, boom, gives its goodness, it's out, 20 minutes. Most food could take three, eight hours, depending on what you eat to digest and requires a lot to break down. So just common sense, like if you, if you, if you don't use all that energy, you're gonna free it up. So um, anyway, I read this book, Fit for Life. It challenged the reader to eat fruit for 10 days in the, only in the morning. And there's, there's a lot more to it. There's mm -hmm. a, an elimination cycle in the morning. So eating fruit really helps with the, does it get, interfere with the elimination cycle, et cetera. But in any event, We've been brainwashed that breakfast is the most important meal, but everyone needs coffee, five-hour energy, all these pick-me-ups in the morning. And breakfast being the biggest meal is great marketing. I mean, that's, but that's like really all it is. Yes. But anyway, in the book, it challenges you to eat 10 days fruit till and then on the day 11, go back to your regular breakfast, oatmeal, mm. eggs, bacon, whatever you have. So I did. I'm like, I can invest 10 mornings mm. to see if it works. So I, I, I felt amazed. I felt actually really bad the first couple of days because it takes a couple of days to cleanse and you know, you're know you gonna get headaches or you could get headaches or this and that. And I did experience that. But day seven, eight, I started to feel better. It was hard. I was like, I was hungry. But then on day 11, I went back and I had my regular breakfast and I was like, oh my God. Just felt heavy or? Oh, yeah. just heavy, foggy. I didn't, like bloated. I was like, what? I never went back. 50 marathons later, multiple endurance things, boundless energy, man. Like ridiculous energy level, Re like crazy energy level. And I, that's been the single biggest, that's had, that book has had the single biggest impact on my life without question. Wow. Without question, without question. Well, cause the fuel you're putting in your body, it affects everything else, right? So your workout and all that stuff in the morning is just one part of it, but how do you feel like it affects your, your mental clarity, your physical, you know, just with your work life as well as you would go into work? We, Everything. We, we tell our guys all the time, we're like, you know, professional athletes, they work out every single day. They watch everything they eat because that's their profession. A lot of them don't, though. A lot that's of them true. eat pretty poorly and actually, I, you know, I think that's a big, a big issue with professional a lot of professional mm. athletes. Well, and so we, we tell our guys, if you're not exercising and eating healthy, like it will affect your energy level when you're out working and your ability to stay focused all day and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's really interesting. I had actually never heard of the only fruit till noon, so. Yeah. Well, you have and other things too. You're a vegetarian too, right? Mm -hmm. How long have you been a vegetarian for? 27 years also, I guess. It does seem like a lot of it's marketing because I'm blown away at your energy, man. Like, again, like, you said when we sat down, you're already 10 miles in. You're saying you guys want to work out, you want a cold plunge, you want to do this. You're speaking with more energy than most of our people have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, but it's interesting. My right? kids are going to come home. I'm going to run around. I'm going to put them down. I'm going to go out tonight. Yeah, yeah. All, every day. Yeah. The, every day. 
So talk about your next project. Um, you're, you're, are you doing a food project now? or? There's more to the Fit for Life program than just fruit till noon. Right. So there's other, there's food combining, not mixing proteins and starches. There's, you know, not eating late at night. There's only eating fruit on an empty. There's a lot of other elements that I incorporate into it. It's not as simple as I'm just going to eat fruit. But that is, that is the biggest factor. So you follow that say. book still. Yes. Like you do all of it. All of it. All of it. Wow, yeah. that's great. Mm. That's Pretty great. much. Not um, there's one thing that I wanted to ask you about unrelated um, since I read Living with the Seal. First of all, I picked up Living with the Seal because I was so bored. I was reading a lot of content, like a lot of like personal development content, a lot of sales content. I don't know if you ever do this, but I just got really heavy. Like a lot of it is the five steps to success and bam, bam, bam. And I, someone recommended Living with the Seal. I was like, oh, this looks fun. And it was fun. And I, and I learned and it was awesome. Mm. Um, but at the end of it, you mentioned almost like a minimalist challenge that you wanted to try regarding breaking your wardrobe down to, what, 30 items mm -hmm. or something like that. Did you ever try that? Yeah. So talk about that for a second. I'm like a minimalist at heart. I love the idea of not carrying around a bunch of stuff, but when I read that, I was like, ah, oh, it's interesting. I wanted to try what, it. What do, if you, who do you go to, who do you usually go to advice? Normally, most people go to their parents. They go to someone that's experienced it. You go to older people. What do most, what do all of our elders do? What, all of them, when they get older, what's the first thing that, people do when they want to get, when they get older, they downsize. They go to a, they don't go to a bigger house. Like, oh, I'm 70, man. I'm going to go buy this 10,000 square. No, they, I don't care how much money or how, they downsize. They want to spend, be simple because they figured out like, I don't need all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to have like a really simple life. I think the earlier you realize that, that, you know, this watch is going to take, um, tell the same amount of time as a $20,000 Rolex, I'm not saying don't get the Rolex. I'm just saying like, you know, that breaks, then you have a headache, you got to get it fixed, you're pissed, you lost it. You know, like it comes with baggage. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I want, I'm not getting rid of my swimming pool. I like what I have, <laughs> but I still want to minimize a lot of the complexities. It starts in your closet. You walk into your closet and you have all this clothing, you probably wear like seven things. You know, but you have all these things you probably never worn, hats you never wear, whatever. So uh, every quarter I pretty much go to my closet and I clear it out. And I say to myself, if I have a, a challenge, first I say, have I worn this in the last X amount, two weeks, month? If the answer is no, it might go into the donate bag. And then I say, does someone need this more than me? And that makes it very easy to part mm -hmm. with shit. And then boom, I send it out. It's really interesting. Feels um, great. Yeah, I love that. Oh, idea. it feels good. I'll show you up in my in my closet right now. I have a plastic bag that I keep because I'm constantly, every day I'm throwing something in there. And I get stuff sent to me, so I'm always adding stuff. But a lot of it, like I don't wear, and mm -hmm. like someone needs it more than me. But when you when you go into a closet, you got like seven shirts, five pairs of this, a couple of sneakers. You just see energy. Oh right? my god, <laughs> it's, go it's that, amazing. Right? It's yeah. amazing. It's just boom, boom, boom. Let's go. Yeah, it's awesome. Not trying on eight different things, yeah. man. Yeah, seeing how it fits, getting it, getting it specially cleaned at Come one place. Come on, with, get out of here with that. <laughs> one of the things you said at our conference was that I wrote down and I've thought about a lot is uh, pay attention to good ideas that keep reoccurring. Mm -hmm. uh, is that advice you got from somebody, or is that something that that you've noticed as a as a thing that's made you successful? Uh, my wife always says it because I always I'm always writing stuff down in my. I have a massive list of just ideas that come into my head. I'll write them down. I'm a big believer in getting it out of your head to free up energy and putting it down on paper. One, it shows intent, it's on paper. And two, like if I have to remember that I have to get 
my son's uh, friend's birthday present on Saturday. I'm gonna go crazy. Mm -hmm. So I write it down. And if it keeps surfacing, my wife's like, I'm like, I have all these different notes and ideas. And she's like, well, just pay attention to the ones that keep surfacing. They're probably good ideas that, worth, that are worth your attention. So I do. So if I have an idea and I'm like, it keeps coming up to my head, I, I pay more attention to it. Mm. I want to shift gears just a little bit. I'm a huge sports fan. So I live in Boston now and a uh, big Patriots fan, Red Sox, Celtics, you know, the whole gamut. So you're one of the owners of the Atlanta Hawks. What's the, what's the most fun part about being a part of an organization like that? Is it the interaction with the fans, the players? Is it seeing coaches, you know, shape a team, a GM building a team? Like walk me through what the most fun part of being an owner of a professional franchise is. Cause that's like, if I could pick one thing to do, it would be own a sports team. The answer is it's all of that. Really? So it's like the work-life balance thing. There's no work in life, it's just life. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's the pro, that's what I signed up for. It's all of it. Really? Oh my and God, it, I live in Atlanta. And met your expectations. You're like, this is what I thought it would be and it's happening kind of thing. Yeah, I was a consultant to the team for a year before we got involved in ownership. Okay. So I had already had a look underneath the hood and got to travel with the team and got to like really experience it. And I'd been around the NBA uh, as a licensee, as a partner, as a marketer. I wrote theme songs for, I wrote the I Love This Game stuff for the NBA in the 90s. So I've been around the league for a long time. Um, so I'm a huge fan and it is a complete dream come true. Really? Oh my God. And I live in Atlanta. Right. So I get to talk about huge it. Huge sports town. Big sports town. I get to talk about it with my friends and we got a great ownership group that I'm good friends with. Yeah. And it's, it's been, it's been a, well, you guys, uh, be more exciting when we have our parade. That's right. Yeah. So that's, I have a shirt that says, uh, parade, uh, championship parade, repeat Boston. So it's, uh, Boston's kind of the Mecca of the sports town right now. Right. They're on, yeah. a, they're on a good run. So one of the things that, that stands out to me of successful people is there's a, there's a consistent pattern of knowing themselves you call it a list of non-negotiables or having a contract with yourself. Maybe talk about that for a second and if you would be willing to share some of the things that are in your code or your contract. Yeah, I mean, I just, um, I don't know if it's one of the components of being successful. And by the way, there's so many different de definitions of success. Um, I have so much more that I want to do in my life, you know. But in any event, um, yeah, I just, I just realized like, I wanted to make a list of things that I could look at, like a cheat sheet in the morning, just to kind of set the bar for the week and for the day and for the hour and for the minute of kind of like what I'm about. So Why I, did you make this? How long, how long is it, have you had this? It's in my phone, if I could even read it to you. Uh, I did it like maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like, I'm gonna write a contract to myself. I'm like, I'm gonna be a good dad, I'm gonna be, you know, good to my friends, take care of my parents, you know, all this. I made a list of things that like, and I just read them in the morning. Every nice. morning? Pretty much. Nice. One of the things that I've I have a list, of, I, in my phone, I have a section of things like that. I have a section of quotes. I have a, my contract with myself. I have a list of what's on my effort list, the things that I want to do in my life. Mm -hmm. I have, like, I have all these little sections. I'm big on lists. I have a list of my accomplishments that I'm proud of. I have a list of people that have pissed me off. 
I keep lists, man. <laughs> I keep don't wind up on the wrong list. I keep lists. <laughs> like Arius, do you watch Game of Thrones at all? No. Okay. No, but you know that Eminem song where he like, says, I got a list. Yeah. He's the order of the list that is said. He talks a, about yeah. the There's a character in the show, she has a list of basically people to kill. So, um, but anyway, I don't right. want to be on that list. I don't want to kill anybody, but I, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to hold their hand. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, and it looks like, you know, we're in this section of your house right now, but in the gym, there's the quote that you shared when you spoke to us. Um, what, what mantras do you have or what, what are a couple of your favorite quotes? If you have health, you have hope. If you have hope, you have everything. That's a good one. I think people take for granted how important health is and like neglect it day to day. And like, you know, you could, you could have a billion dollars and... Um, have everything in the world, a sports team, this, all the money, you know, and be on a beautiful man island with all these amazing massage therapists and women and you have a sore throat and you swallow. The only thing that matters to you is the sore throat. You don't care about it. You just want to get rid of your damn sore throat. You give all your, you just want, you don't think about the money. It's just like, God, and that's just a sore throat. Multiply that by real complications. Like health is so important. And I realized, like, I don't need a tragedy. Most people need a tragedy in their life to appreciate how fortunate we are or the opportunity. I don't need a tragedy. I don't need to wake up and get a call from the doctor and say, hey, you have this. Or I'm sorry to tell you, but this happened is so... I don't need that to have an appreciation. I don't need that wake-up call. And um, so that's one of my favorite quotes. How you do anything is how you do everything. I didn't come this far to only come this far is another one of my quote that I like. We have, um, yeah. a, we have a, a who we are statement for our sales group. And uh, it was funny when you spoke because one of the lines in there is, says, we understand that how we do anything is how we do everything. And when you said that speaking, I got about 15 texts being like, did you put him up to that? And I was like, I'm saying. Like, <laughs> just worked. It was great. I loved it. You've, as you've gotten more successful, you've, your circle of friends has grown, right? And a lot of really prominent and successful people. Um, you mentioned the, you know, the Rolodex in your phone and that, that we could call any of those guys and have them talk about how they feel about you. As you've expanded that circle and become friends with really successful people, how has that influenced you, know, you your decisions, the way you operate? I mean, are you just constantly learning from, you know, once all of a sudden you're in this person's sphere now and you start seeing how they operate, does that change how or influence how you operate as well? I don't know so much now, because now I look at things a little bit differently. Sure. But when I, was, when I started Marquee Jet, you know, people are like, well, what was the greatest thing about Marquee? The greatest gift from Marquee Jet wasn't like this exit that we had or the revenue or anything like that was great. But the biggest gift was, honestly, I was 30 years old, 29, 30 when we started it. And for 10 years, we were flying the who's who of pop culture, CEOs, athletes, entertainers, and I was obsessed with daily rituals. So I, I would get a chance to ask people like, can I just, how do you, tell me about your day. Yeah. You're like, what time do you get mm -hmm. up? How do you spend your time? And asking, I get to get all these different bits and pieces of information of how these super successful people operated. I paid really close attention to that. Mm. And you know, um, that was the best thing that ever happened. I learned so much from these dinners and this, just learning about what do you, how, do you, what do you, how do you invest your money? What do you do when you get, like, it was like every day was a podcast for me where I got to interview people yeah. just in conversation, but people at the highest level. And 
I got to absorb all that and live with that as a young kid for 10 years. Is there ever, the a time, time. ever a time where you just look back and be like, I can't believe like where I'm at right now? I don't look back. No. Mm-mm. Why not? I can't change it. I, it's, it is what it is, the good and the bad. I mean, I'm just like all about from today to 80. Mm. I'm so forward. I'm right out of the front window. And I, I honestly don't look back. I mean, there are times I'll be like, oh, yeah, you remember that? Of course, I'm right. human. But I don't sit there and be like, how did I get here or whatever. When I first bought, when I first, so when we first got Marquee Jet rolling and we first started really rolling, I bought a house. And I was, I was in, up until that point, I was in a 500 square foot walk up in New York City. I paid $370 a month and I shared it with a friend. It was the craziest apartment ever. And then I had an, like a, another apartment. I slept on all these friends' couches. And all of a sudden, I bought this crazy house. And I remember there was no furniture there, man. <laughs> and it's on this lake, three acres, like should night stuff, man. It was out. <laughs> I still have it. I still have it. And I remember sitting there by myself the day we closed. I'm sitting out by my pool. And I was looking at this thing. And I just started hysterically crying. And I was like, I can't believe that I own this, that I bought this with my own money. Like no one helped me. Right. Like, I mean, I had help. My parents paid for my cop, but I got this on my own. This is mine. Like this is, I could, I still like, so I had, I did have that moment, but now I'm 50. Um, I was like 32 then. Now it's just, you know. What's next? Maybe, maybe on that note, um, as we close out, your phrase, remember tomorrow, what does that mean? And, and, and how do you try to live by that? It's just one of those things like we all, you know, I'm one of those kind of people that, that need things that I can tap into. I need, some people channel anger. Some people channel the girl they want to get. Some people channel hate, you know, they just frustrated that they, the way they were treated as a kid or something, whatever. Um, I channel all that stuff when I need it. I rotate emotions to channel and to get energy and to get inspiration and drive and all that. But for decision-making, very often I have two words that are like kind of my driver, my test. And that's just, I say, remember tomorrow. Like, how will that decision impact you tomorrow? You know, how, will, whatever it is. So if you wanted to drop out of the marathon because you got a little blister, I get it until tomorrow when you walk in and people are like, oh, how'd you do? How's that decision, that, that, that split second decision gonna impact you down the road? And very often you'll get, you'll get a very clear answer of what to do. All your friends are at happy hour, but there's a set, but you got, you're in real estate. All your friends are at happy hour, but there's a showing at a property and like, oh, I'm just gonna go to happy hour. That's fine. Until tomorrow when the property's sold or a deal happened or someone was there that you wanted to, you know, so those kind of things that, that really helps me. I don't need a therapist. I just need to know how it's going to make me feel tomorrow. Goes yeah, back great. to what we said. You know, all humans want to feel, I think we said this. Mm-hmm. The one thing people have in common is they want to feel good. Did we talk about that at all? Yeah. Or am so I going we started, crazy? We started no, with good. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? We were here, you were there, you said that. I didn't have enough food today. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not that clear. Hey, well, thank you for, uh, for hanging out with us. Thank you for spending the time. It's going to be very valuable for our salespeople. It's been awesome getting to know you, and thank you for, for being part of the experience. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. 
take these principles and go be electric.